Good evening. Welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, David Shopdoss. C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter with me, David Jones from iPop Editor on the Twitters. We're coming to you after a Cardinal win. I think we're the only podcast this week that's able to say that. We're coming to you right after a Cardinal <laughs> win. Um, uh, the Cardinals won earlier this afternoon as we record this Sunday night, but for their first win in a long time, eight, eight game, eight losses in a row in the midst of that. And David, I honestly, the losing is bad. There's no doubt about it, but the chaos slightly off the field, I guess, if you would say, has been even more frustrating, disturbing, pick an adjective, but I think that's more telling than eight straight losses. Well, I know people are all up in arms right now. There's a lot of stuff being said, but I want to say I know people are going to think I'm delusional, but I still believe in this team. I truly believe in this team. I believe this team can get that number one pick for 2024 in the draft. You know, it's going to be tough to lose enough to get there with Oakland, but, you know, I I do believe it is possible, even though this win today kind of knocked him off course. It No, okay, I'm not going to go that far. Um, but, you know, it started looking like a sinking ship. Well, maybe it is a sinking ship, but it looked like the ship was underwater until today. It's weird how one win can kind of turn things around just a little bit. I think we've been waiting for that mood lifter. Now you look at the span of like the last two weeks and you're like, this is terrible. Like one win. Okay. You know, whoop-de-doo, but we needed it. Like, I think everybody yeah. just needed to take a deep breath and winning starts to cure other ills. And yeah, there's been a lot of chaos and I think it's frustration boiling over. I think every single issue that we've seen come out over this past week or the past two weeks, no matter how inept it has been, I think everything gets knocked up to another two or three steps because of how frustrated people are. Things are boiling over. People need somebody to blame. And so things that you know maybe shouldn't have even been on the radar are suddenly just huge like dumpster fires at this point. Yeah. Which, in some of the stuff that we're going to talk about, if the Cardinals are even a 500 team, probably doesn't come into play, right? I mean, some of this, you know, on Meet Me at Mutual on Friday, of course, this is before the Contreras stuff that we're going to get into came out. But, you know, Alex and I said, you know, I don't know if this front office panics. I know they're, you know, concerned. I know that they're, but, you know, I don't think they're necessarily a, a front office that goes out and does something just crazy because, they're in a, in a panic mode. Um, might want to take that back. Um, it does feel like what we've seen, some of the roster movements, some of the decisions that we're seeing, it feels like a team that's flailing around trying to find some sort of purchase that again, if they were 500, it would be disappointing, but I don't think you're just looking for anything that will help. Right. And, you know, it's one of those things that and I I will we'll get into this a little bit more, but we've for the last two, three weeks, we've heard fans and even some media saying, just do something, just do something. And then the team does something and people are like, not that. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I think the front office is a little bit confused at this point. I think they're kind of like the fans are and they're like, you know, we don't know what to do, but we're going to try something. Is it the best thing? Are the optics good? No, not necessarily. 
but they're doing something and it's not, I, I know some people think the entire staff should be fired and Mo and Gersh should be gone and the DeWitt should sell the team to Elon Musk or something by this point. That's not happening. And so we are seeing some in baseball moves that are happening without trading players or releasing players. It's not what people love. The way things have been handled haven't been great. But like you said, if this team's playing well, these moves, first of all, probably don't get made, but they're probably not as big of a deal. But when you're losing, everything gets magnified by so much. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that whole attitude shifts a lot. And, you know, again, we're talking about one win here. We're also talking about the fact that the Cardinals go to Wrigley tomorrow to start another series where the fact that the Cardinals are 0-11 in series openers. So, and if they can break that streak tomorrow and put, you know, two wins together, which is a radical concept that I'm not sure is even possible. But if they were able to do that, yeah, I think maybe we would start thinking the clouds are going to clear a little bit. Um, you know, all that said, we're still dealing with the elephant in the room, which is the fact that the Cardinals have decided six weeks into a five year deal, 80, $88 million deal that Wilson Contreras maybe isn't the everyday catcher after all. Um, and we'll just put him at DH or, or the outfield because we don't have any outfielders at all. Um, let him play a little corner when, you know, the, the one or two days a year that Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado don't play. I, this is just really weird to me. Um, I think I can understand a little bit of, at least some of what we're hearing, although some of what we're hearing from Ali Marmol in the front office and other places seems to be a little bit contradictory at times as well. Um, but you were telling me today, you're a little bit more on board with some of this. Well, let, you know, let's not get everybody throwing arrows or firing arrows at me quite <laughs> yet. Uh, here's here. And I will say the optics of this are bad. I don't know. You would think in 2023 teams with, so much money and so much PR would know how to handle communication issues a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And yet we hear conflicting evidence. You're not even sure if the players told before everybody else is told, uh, you know, we hear Contreras says something after the Saturday game. And so then they kind of back off on the outfield thing. There's just a lot of stuff going on there. And like I said, the optics aren't good. Like I, I almost feel like if they're going for like option number four, they're going to have Contreras start wearing a Sean Murphy Jersey just to see if that will appease people. <laughs> and and that's, and so that's where I'm like, you know, the way this has kind of been handled, ugh, not good. And also reading between the lines, you almost feel like the Cardinals kind of have some buyer's remorse. Like they're looking at this, like, ew, we made a rash move and now we're regretting this decision. Hmm. That doesn't look good either. Now, to get what you were getting at, and, and I will say I may come across like a rights holder and a mouthpiece for the Cardinals when I say this, and I understand that, and people can come at me, and that's fine. But like I said, editor, remember, just I. That's right. Editor. Yeah, my mom reads the tweets, so be nice, people. <laughs> uh, here is where I, I kind of – I'm not saying I'm siding with the front office, but people have been screaming for them to do something. When you look at the team ERA, it has been much better under Andrew Kisner. I think it's more than a run better. Now, sample size hasn't been nearly as large, but still that's the case. I can't remember which reporter it was, but one reporter today, it may have been The Athletic, talked about how some of the pitchers may have privately gone to some of the coaches and requested Kisner. They weren't exactly happy with Contreras. 
Uh, so you've got the ERA issues. The Cardinals have given up a bazillion and literal bazillion <laughs> home runs with two strikes. I think maybe they're, they're worst in the majors around what, somewhere between 18 and 20 at this point. Well, at least 20. Yeah. yeah. The execution has not been there. I think what this is the Cardinals doing is finally saying, yeah, something has to change. We have to do something because you know what? You can't leave things status quo. You can't keep going in this direction. You can't keep having guys hitting home runs with two strikes. You can't keep having poor pitches made with two strikes. And so I think this is the Cardinals saying, okay, we, we're going to back off for the short term, think long-term in mind and try to make some changes. Now, Reading people, you would get the idea that they're throwing Contreras in the outfield or DH role for the rest of his contract, and that's that. That's not what's happening here. They're putting him in this role, in the DH role, and some catching, while also working him with catching on the side. So this is a learning opportunity. It's not happening on the field during games, but they are going to continue to work with him as a catcher. Now, if they weren't doing that, then yeah, we've got some major problems here. But the fact that they're going to continue working with him, let him get used to pitchers, I think this could be a good thing long term, but it doesn't look good right now. But again, people have been screaming for something to change, something to be done different. People have been so frustrated by the pitchers and what they've been doing. I mean, look at Flaherty start the other day and how terrible that was. People were frustrated. You look at the bullpen coming in and blowing games. They're frustrated. Something needed to change on the pitching side. We're not bringing in new starters, that's for sure. So, yes, this may be a logical step that needs to be made to get him on board. Now, he does look like the scapegoat and all this, and I hate that this happens right before he goes back to Wrigley because I think that's a bad look too. But something else, like I've been thinking about, you know, with the WBC, Contreras made the decision not to play in the WBC so he could get used to the pitchers, which was great. But that's also, he didn't get to catch Wainwright. He didn't get to catch Michaelis quite a few guys in the bullpen that he didn't get to catch. So even though he stayed in camp, a lot of those guys were gone. The familiarity is still not there. This is still all new to him. I think this could be the right move. I know it looks terrible. And I will say this, I'm not trying to trash media because in my other job, I actually work in media and journalism a little bit too. But I think we, for so long, have looked, we've wanted something to blame. We've wanted to grasp something tangible and say, this is who is at fault. This is who to point the finger at. And we've struggled that when the Cardinals finally make this move, that's controversial. I feel like the media has just exploded on this because they finally had something tangible that they can point their finger to and go, look how dumb you are. Look how ridiculous this is. You don't know what you're doing. This front office is inept. It's like they were just finally waiting to grab something. Now, maybe that's the case, but I feel like it's gone a little overboard because they've been waiting for something and also because the record's been so bad. But yeah, they couldn't keep going down the same path. Now, I hate it because it's going to create some log jams with the DH situation with Gorman and we can even get into all that. But in the short term, I think this may be necessary because at this point, it's not like it's the NFL where you can just release a guy and save some money. I mean, contracts are guaranteed. They're going to have to find a way to make this work. That's my rant. Rant over. Um, <laughs> if you have complaints on that, I'm happy to hear them. But I, I, I'm not defending the front office so much as I'm saying that they're trying something. I, I think they don't know what to do, but I think they're hoping that this works in the long term. And I get that. Although I do also then look at a quote in Derek Gould's story about this that says, there's no timetable on when or if Contreras will resume full-time catching, and when asked if that was the eventual goals, Cardinals officials said not necessarily, um, which that indicates he might not return, which is 
then I mean, and again, I, I expect he will. Although I think it was also pointed out to Ali Marmol, it's like, how is he supposed to increase familiarity with the pitchers when he's not catching the pitchers? And Ali said, that's a fair question, but never answered the question. And I get that they're talking to him on the bench and stuff like that, but I, I just, I think if you want to fix the pitching staff, I mean, even if you were going to say, okay, we're going to split time between Kisner and Contreras. And we're going to kind of mix this up so that Contreras is catch, catching a different pitcher each time and that the H on Daisy's not catching. Okay. Maybe, maybe I could see that. Um, I could also understand. I would think also that if you need to fix the pitching staff, maybe bring up the guy at Memphis that has a two ERA and is striking out more than a batter and inning. Uh, before you start moving around an $80 million free agent. Um, however, Matthew Libertor is still in Memphis. Um, Steven Matz made the start today, which actually went well. I, I, we got to give him credit for that. But I don't think anybody expected it to go well, you know. Um, so I don't know. I think this is very, very, very weird. And, and you're right. Maybe there is some buyer's remorse there. Um, maybe they got a little bit taken with the the presentation that Contreras did and how much he wanted to be a Cardinal. But then, then again, I mean, we've talked about, you know, the shadow of Yadier Molina that's leaning on this thing. And maybe, maybe these pitchers who are talking to him are a little bit weird about not having Yadi around on the flip side of that. You know, you hear you're talking about Michaelis. Yeah. He spent a lot of time with Yadi, but Steven Matz only spent like a half a year with him. He's been with other organizations. He's dealt with other catchers. That shouldn't be an issue for him. Um, so I don't know. And maybe it's, you know, Flaherty or somebody, but it feels to me, I think to some, to some people, and I think maybe to me too, I haven't really thought it completely out, but that if the pitching staff is having problems with their catcher to this degree, to some degree, they have to suck it up a deal, right? I mean, I don't. I think that maybe a little bit of a scapegoat on their side of things, especially when you have PitchCom, where the pitcher can call its own their own pitches. You've got, in theory, Dusty Blake able to call pitches from the from the side from the bench. I throwing this all on a guy that you know. Oh, we haven't seen him very much. While you then bringing up a catcher that hasn't actually caught any of these people except for spring training. Uh, in Tres Barrera, to who then wound up catching the tenth inning of a game. Um, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird signals here, um, and I, I have one. The front office has been smarter than this a long time. They're much more likely to stay the course, and and that's what they were preaching just about a week ago. And for to go from that to, hey, we're going to put this guy in the outfield, even though we sit down Jordan Walker all this other stuff, it, it just seems like, well, it seems like a panic move. Yeah. And, you know, and you hit on some really good points there. Um, and one thing I did want to bring up is the fact that, you know, Contreras is calling the games. They wanted, Yachty called the mm -hmm. games. They want Contreras to call the games. And that's great. But a lot of teams call the games from the bench. You, you've right. got a coach giving signs. You look at the catcher looks over every pitch, gets his signs. They could do that. They could use pit, use pitch com 
just as well. Um, I know it's something new and with the pitch clock, it's not exactly the easiest thing to do, but there are, are alternatives to this. Now, what I really think has happened here, and this is some speculation and some you can kind of read about this a little bit, but I think there were probably pitchers and I say pitchers plural. I think multiple pitchers that mm-hmm. went to the coaching staff, maybe went to the front office and I don't want to say complained about Contreras, but it talked about, you know, having issues, not being on the same page, not getting him, him not calling the pitches they want. And with pitch clock right now, you know, if a guy calls a pitch that you don't want, you can only shake off so much before you're going to get that pitch clock violation. Whereas, you know, last year you could take 30 seconds if you needed to, to get that right pitch. So that my feeling is you had multiple pitchers that went to staff and said, Hey, this isn't working or we need to switch something up. I think what you're seeing from Marmol and you're seeing from Mo, probably they are not trying, they're doing their best not to throw the pitchers under the bus. They're mm-hmm. not going to name names for people that came to them in confidence. And so they are taking the heat for this. And I think they're taking the heat for what the players have requested. But like you said, there are other ways that they could go about this. They just chose not to. They chose to let him call his own game. Now, I will say I've got some friends who are Chicago Cubs fans, and they're the knowledgeable Chicago Cubs fans, the (laughs) kind that can actually make a good argument. And when the Cardinals signed Contreras, they told me, they said, hey, you're going to love his energy. You're going to love his tenacity. You're going to love what he brings. However, and that however, I was kind of hanging on it. And they said, he doesn't call a good game. They said if you looked at his numbers last year, him versus Gomes, Gomes' numbers were much better with the pitching staff. And they said, you know, defensively, it's probably too much has been made about, you know, pitch framing and him throwing his arm at those mm-hmm. stuff like that. But they they told me, they said, he doesn't really call a good game. So watch out for that. And we're kind of seeing that. So you're, you're right. It, it is a mess. I did like what Tom Ackerman said to, during today's game that he said it's not Contreras' job to fill Yachty's shoes. That's the team's job to fill yeah. Yachty's shoes. Um, but yeah, the, the way that this has been handled, it, I mean, you kind of go back to the whole Tyler O'Neill situation earlier this year. You're kind of like, oh, come on, guys. It's just not the best way as far as maybe the PR side of things. But hopefully it's being handled the best way as far as making the decisions that need to be made. Now, if we're in August and he's caught five games since then, we got some issues. Um, but hopefully we start seeing some wins and we see Contreras crushing the ball. You know, I'd love to see him hit five home runs during his time at Wrigley. And hopefully this is a non-issue that we're not even talking about a few months from now. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. We don't talk about Tyler O'Neill getting thrown out at home and probably Marmol yelling at him very much, although there are some that have pointed to that as the beginning of the downfall um, and maybe a, a signal of of a clubhouse in, in disarray. I don't know that I want to go that far. Um, so it very well may be that. Um, I don't know. I just also feel like, man, you, you just signed this guy for a five-year deal. And it's going to be, I mean, you're damaging that relationship right now. I know he says the stuff, but even the stuff he's saying, you can tell that's not what, you know, he was taking pride in, in working hard to be a catcher. He wants to be a catcher and he'll go out there and DH. He'll go out there and play outfield if he wanted to, or whatever the case may be. But I got to feel like that, you know, you didn't have time to build a relationship with him that he can handle that kind of setback that you're moving him around like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
I, I just feel like maybe maybe that shouldn't have been the knee jerk reaction. Yeah, I, I I agree with that to an extent. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the point I come to as you know, if this is let's say this is Oakland. I don't think you make this move. You've got, you know, you're not winning now. You've got time for your pitchers to get accustomed and grow with the catcher, but the Cardinals are supposed to be better than this. Their record should be much better than this. And if, you know, if they're looking at their stuff and going, you know what, his pitch calling is the reason that we gave up. I don't know, 12 of these two strike home runs. And you could say, you can say, you know, that's six wins right there. And I'm just throwing numbers out. If that's what you're seeing on your stats, like what else do you do? Like you have to do something, don't you? Like help him. You, you want to help somebody learn. You want to bring him along. You don't want to set him back, but you also have to worry about team wins. And if yeah. you're looking at your numbers and saying, if we had Andrew Kisner in there in these games, we may we may have four more wins. We may have six more wins. We may only be four and a half games out of the wild card. That's where I'm like, okay, so what do you do? Like, you don't want to set this guy back. You don't want to hurt the relationship, but you also have to win right now. I will yeah. say as a side note, Kisner is actually hitting the ball really, really well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just like, we're not talking bloops. I mean, he is crushing the ball with a little wind. He's got four home runs right now, three home runs this week. Um, but anyway, that's where I'm just kind of like, Okay, I I I I know you don't want to damage that relationship, and and like it thickens at a whole like a leadership discussion, and you know what it's like to actually lead men and lead other people. But I don't know what the alternative is. I mean, is it you just let things be and you keep possibly losing? I, I don't I don't know. Like I'm glad I'm not in the position to have to make that choice. Yeah, and I get that. That's that. There's a there's a fair point on that side too of of trying to make sure that you're winning ball games, and with Andrew Kisner hitting a little bit better now this week, especially I think I looked it up. He's hitting 308 in May with two doubles and a homer. And like you said, some were, were pretty close to those doubles were a little bit closer to being home runs. Um, you know, whether that's a, a factor of, you know, spending three days looking at tiger pitching or not, I don't know, but um, nobody else did it. So I will have to give, give him credit for that, except for Paul Goldschmidt, I guess. Um yeah, I I don't know. I do. I just feel like I feel like this should have been the last resort, and I can't believe they tried everything before they went to that. Like I said, you know, shift your pitching staff around a little bit, you know, um, and how much you know, and and maybe take a hard look at that pitching staff because we talked, you know, everybody talked about the pitching staff as we went into the season. Like this is a staff that can be solid but that's like the upper level of what we're going to see, right? Is solid. And I don't think if you took each one of these people in a vacuum and you said, you know, Steven Matz has a 60 RA this year. I don't think that's out of the question, right? I mean, I don't, it's not what we would expect it, but it's not, not like, Oh no, that never happens. Um, you know, Adam Wainwright doesn't pitch until May. Oh, well, okay. We, yeah, we could see that happening. I don't think we expected all these situations to happen all at the same time, but all of them individually are reasonable. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, you know, again, they've got more information than we do. And you're right. If it's a, if it's a personality of trying to make sure that you don't have a uprising in your rotation, um, you know, maybe you have to do something like that, but, um, and you know, the Cardinals actually had a pitcher in the, in the batting lineup on Friday night because they had to pinch hit for Kinsner last. So, you know, if you, you bring up rare, but it, 
I don't know. It just it just feels like panic that we're not used to seeing out of this club. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, like you said, it's a situation that in two or three weeks, Contreras has had enough chance to you know come up with a cardinal way of doing things. Although he had a video call with Yadier Molina, who said, "Hey, you're doing fine." So that should make some weight, I would think. Um, but maybe he's figured out the cardinal way of calling games and is back out there. Um, but until then it becomes a little bit of an issue, right? I mean, we're going to have to try to figure out, I mean, we already have a bunch of outfielders that are kind of iffy on their defense. I mean, Jordan Walker went down because of that. Alec Burleson from, from what I can read on Twitter has not necessarily covered himself in glory out there this week. Um, so it's been rough. A, it has been rough. <laughs> yeah. And I have, uh, Contreras apparently has paid like 200 and something innings out in the outfield. So it's not like it's a completely foreign to him, but I can't imagine he's a gold glover out there. Well, um, no, and he hasn't played those innings in quite a few years, like yeah. pre pandemic years. Yeah. So see, I mean, so, you know, are we, are we moving one problem trying to solve one problem and just creating another one. I, you know, because the DH then becomes Contreras on most days. And that means Nolan Gorman has to play second base, which means what do you do with Brendan Donovan or Brendan Donovan plays? And you've got your, probably your best hitter on the season sitting on the bench. Um, It seems to add a lot more of that, you know, clog that we were talking about the Cardinals needing to clear up. Instead, they add to it. Yeah, and and I think ju- if you take the issue just in a vacuum, I don't think it's as big as people are making it out to be right now. Mm-hmm. Like even like talking about Mats, if you look at Mats in his last nine and one third innings, he's only given up one run, and Kisner has caught all those innings. So it look I thought okay, has something finally clicked? Like you know, is that what we needed? So that's where I'm kind of like, you know what this this may be what's needed, but like you said when you look at it in the big picture, it is kind of like shuffling chairs on the Titanic uh, because it, it is going to cr- create more problems. And it, it looks like Gorman could be the odd man out for a lot of this. Now you've got enough versatility that you can move guys around, but it's, and it's weird how we're talking about this right now, but mm-hmm. one thing that's going to make this tougher is that Paul DeYoung is actually playing really, really well right now. And that's mm-hmm. something I wanted to make sure I said, because we have been very hard on him, sure. And but he, he is one of the lone bright spots for this team. He is hitting the ball really, really well. But with him hitting the ball really, really well, that means he needs to be in the lineup. But so does Tommy Edmond. So does Brendan Donovan. So does Nolan Gorman. And like you said, where do we put them all? Because now if we have that DH spot filled, it just means they're not playing. Juan Yepes may never see another at bat the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Um might as well just let somebody go and let's get Taylor Motter back again for a third go around. I, I, yeah. So yeah, when you look at the bigger picture on things, I do see how this could be a little bit of a mess. Uh, I think one of the things we talked about in spring training is that this team has a lot of depth. Um, it's a good problem to have, but we said it's still a problem and we've been seeing that all season. We can't see, we see guys not even getting comfortable because of that depth. Now it's just created more of a log jam. Yeah, and I think that that comfort level is a huge thing as well, um, because you know some of the offensive problems that we have seen are is you know 
people just not being able to get into a rhythm. You know, part of it's been even the guys that like, you know, although Goldstein's not have a problem, Arnauto has obviously struggled and has seemed to start to come out of that this week. But yeah, they play regularly. Um, but everybody else is kind of, yeah, hit or miss. And um, so I don't know. I mean, we, we talked a couple uh, last week, maybe it was when Jordan Walker went down, about the front office feels like they would need to or should be making a trade a little bit earlier than normal. Again, even if it's just a small trade that clears a major leaguer off of a roster, just to start freeing up spots. Now, Jordan Walker went to Memphis and has not necessarily lit the world on fire, so there's not a necessarily a push to get him back. But it still feels like they can't go until June or July with this roster or you know some sort of mix and match from Memphis because this log jam, no matter how you look at it, just doesn't go away. And and then you get Tyler O'Neill coming back at some point in time. And I don't know, you know, he went on the injured list this week. Yeah, it just that doesn't help anything either. So it's it's really weird how this roster is constructed, but it feels pretty clear that they've got to move somebody and they need to do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. And if this losing keeps happening, it's going to happen. And I think Mm. we're going to see a lot of guys moved. Um, I think you could be seeing a St. Louis blues type sell-off. Now it's not going to be the veterans who helped lead them to a championship. I don't think Adam Wainwright's going anywhere, but uh, I think you could see Flaherty gone. You could see Montgomery gone if an extension isn't done. done. Mm -hmm. Um, Tyler O'Neill, Paul DeYoung, those are guys that I think we could be saying goodbye to. And so if they don't get the ship turned around, yeah, there's going to be some trades happening, and we're going to see a completely different type of roster that's going to make room for the Jordan Walkers and the Mason Wins for the years to come. Uh, but I'm hoping that's not the case. I'd rather see this team acquire talent, get some starting pitching, and things get a little bit better. And I, I'll say this too. I feel like this whole this drama, this chaos, everything that's going on, if this is happening to, oh, 15 of the teams, 15 to 20 teams in baseball. These are non-stories. Like no one's talking about this. I I, I don't want to be the arrogant type. Like this is because it's the Cardinals, you know, we're the Cardinals and we always win. That's, it's not always that, but the Cardinals are known for being a pretty, you know, a top organization. They're one of the winningest organizations of all time, even in the last 20 years. And so when you're picked to win your division, that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, people we talked before we came on here about people are just losing their minds over the Yankees. I've seen Mets fans having meltdowns right now because of how much money they spent. This is what happens. Um, it, it, and a lot of it has to do with people caring about their team. Uh, mm-hmm. Best fans in baseball. I, I don't use that term as sarcasm or as mockery. I think that's true. St. Louis fans are deeply invested in their team. And when they see things don't go right, they're going to complain about it and they're going to be upset and they want to hold their team accountable. So I, I I get all that. It's just one of those things that I think we're not seeing it. I I think there's certain people, you know, Cubs fans, Deadspin, some of those that just love running with stories like this and blowing them as out of proportion as they can. But if this team starts winning, if somehow they rattle off six straight, you're going to see a different tone. It's it's not going to matter as much. If I am a little worried about Contreras' headspace. Uh, today, he did not look good at the plate after all this stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. But uh, if Cardinals win five in a row and Contreras is hitting bombs, you know what? This, this isn't so much of a story. Um, we said in spring training that a lot of these things tend to work themselves out. This is the first year of 
that I can ever remember where these things did not, but maybe that's coming. Maybe it, whether it is a trade, whether it's through injury, who knows? Uh, but yeah, something I feel like is coming, whether it's a trade, um, hopefully not injuries, but I, I think we're going to start getting a better idea of the identity of this team in maybe the next two weeks. And we'll start, I know it's early, but I think we're going to start finding out very soon if this team has a chance to get back in it, or if we're going to see them be sellers for the first time in my lifetime. Now let's maybe end on a little bit of good news. Um, Zach Thompson. Oh wait, nope. That's not, no, never mind. That's another, another situation where we're not hundred percent sure the front office one hand knows what the other hand is doing. Now, the, the, looking at the standings, and the standings don't look great, obviously, but the Cardinals just lost eight games, and I'm not sure they lost any ground in the division. <laughs> Pittsburgh has lost seven after today. You know, Cardinals win one today, and they're back to nine games out, which, again, nine games is a long way. you got a lot of people to climb over. They're still the worst team in the National League. All that is fair and, and, and everything of that nature, but I just... You know, you look at that and you start wondering, maybe, you know, maybe they're in the right division for a push. Uh, it's going to be very difficult. Don't get me wrong. And I, the odds of them, I think I saw that Fangraphs had them down to less than 20% of a chance of making the playoffs this year. Which I think is uh, still like, I thought that was high. So, yeah, yeah sure, when great. When this far out. I mean, their uh, chances were a lot lower than that when they were acquiring Lester in a deal that we thought was a Hail Mary if it meant for nothing. So, true, hey, I'll take true. 20%. They, 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 they have done that before, um, although they may be paying the bill for that kind of uh, baseball magic uh, this year. But, um, so, you know, maybe, I mean, I, I can't. I don't want to get too optimistic because we've done this before already this season quite a few times, right? And especially since they seem to win on Sunday nights uh, or Sunday afternoons uh, well enough for us to come into the podcast and say, well, you know, at least they won and maybe this is the turnaround. Um, but hey, at least they won and maybe this is the turnaround. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you keep thinking that maybe, you know, maybe, hey, you go into Wrigley and win two out of three. And I think maybe you start, those clouds start to break a little bit. Now, you go into Wrigley tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon. I haven't looked to see what time the game is actually either. Um, and yeah, it's three night games. Yeah. Three night games. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go into Wrigley tomorrow night and lay an egg again. Then it's like, this is just, this is just the way this is. You know, there is no turning around. We're always, we're you know, just doomed to failure and that kind of stuff. But you go in there and, and break the streak, put together a two wins and have a chance to win the series after the first game. Um, I, I think that maybe they're, in, like I said, they're not playing again. They're not in the division with Tampa Bay. They're not, what would they be, like 15 games out? Um, oh, farther than that. So the Yankees are 10 out at 18 and 17. Um, probably closer to 20 now. Uh, they're, they're, they're in the right spot. So... I don't want to say there's a ton of hope, but maybe there's some hope. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've tried to look at the numbers like sideways and squinting and been like, well, you know, if they would have, you know, hit this ball in this direction with this much wind, then, you know, maybe they would have got, you know, we've done everything impossible to crunch the numbers to make this team to figure out what's going on. We're starting to see it actually play off a little bit. They have one of the hardest 
hardest hit rates in baseball. Uh, we're starting to see those balls actually get through. The last five games, they've scored an average of 6.4 runs a game. Now, we would have killed for that two weeks ago. Like, that just wasn't happening. Now, mm-hmm. you know, when Flaherty goes out there and gives up 10 runs, you can't win those games. But we're actually, we this week we saw them lose games that they should have won because of how many runs they had. So, if the pit, and this is, this is where I get back to not being as upset as some people are. If the starting pitching improves just a little bit, those losses becomes wins. When you score mm-hmm. seven runs, you should win those games. And I think now they're going to win those games. So I think we are seeing some things happen. Uh, we had talked this week. I, I looked up some numbers about Goldschmidt. His numbers, like his numbers overall look pretty good, but his numbers with a runner on first or his numbers with a runner on first or second are really, really poor. We're starting to see that change a little bit. And that's one of those things. That's just kind of like a bad luck, weird coincidence thing. Well, today he hits three home runs. I, I think that's going to change. We're going to see that even out. Nolan Arenado hits one into big Mac land. Uh, his swing doesn't look perfect, but it is looking a little bit better. Paul DeYoung like I said, I didn't think I'd be leading on Paul DeYoung, but Paul DeYoung is hitting the ball well. It was nice to see Donovan actually hit a home run today. It looked like he did back in spring training. Um, Kisner, out of nowhere. Kisner's, like I said, Kisner's driving the ball. But not just that, but like you look at his launch angle and you look at his exit velocity. He has changed something in his swing. I think he shortened it possibly. I, I'd need to go back and look at the tape a little bit more. But these aren't just like luck swings. Now, his little roller down the third baseline, yeah, that was that was luck. But some of these swings he is getting, he is barreling up the baseball. Um, so maybe we start seeing something from him. You know, I, I just hope that this is all starting to click and connect but it's going to come down to starting pitching. We've got to see guys that are going to actually get quality starts. I think Matt's was going to have it today. I think he got taken mm-hmm. out too early. I think Montgomery got taken out too early in his game. I think the Cardinals win that game if he doesn't get taken out. Uh, you know, the game on Saturday, it was one of those weird games with Wainwright where I feel like if um, if Donovan lets Newt take the fly ball in the outfield on the sack fly, things change a little bit. Also, that stolen base at second base. I think the umpires got it wrong. I think or, they or called the, the batter up. And the pitch that was a strike that was called a ball? That right down the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, I don't want to blame anything on the umps because the Cardinals had plenty of chances. But we're right. starting to see small things and think, oh, if that just went this way, just a little bit different, they get a win from that. Today should have been one of those games that when that grand slam was hit, like, you know, forget mm-hmm. it. This game's over. Mm-hmm. Team's lost. And they didn't let them let it get, get them down. Now, Detroit's bullpen's not great, <laughs> and that's being nice. But I, I think we're starting to see the small things with the offense. The offense is starting to become what we expected it to be. We need the starting pitching, sadly, to be what we expected and then a little bit more. That's probably asking too much. Maybe we can just get it to what we expected it to be. But I think I'm not expecting this team to just to go off and win 25 straight. But I think they're fully capable of taking two of three from the Cubs and then winning the series in Boston as well. Do you think that I mean, we saw Adam Wainwright and he looked pretty much like Adam Wainwright, right? I mean, I, I, you know, again, some iffy calls, like he said, he didn't even have any idea how this stuff happened. All of a sudden he let up four runs, Um, some questionable calls, some some things like that. Do you think that he can be that stabilizer? And we have seen it before. Sometimes those guys feed on each other and have, you know, good start after good start when somebody starts it off. I think Adam Wainwright is going to be more valuable in the clubhouse than he is on the mound. And I think he will be valuable on the mound. Uh, I don't know how well he's going to pitch, but I think 
they need his leadership more than anything right now. Mm-hmm. Now, from the pitching side of things, I think what we saw that's going to be typical. His curveball looked beautiful in the first three innings. Um, Veerling had a look on his face. I would love to see a replay of that where he just was his like jaw dropped. Like what in the world was that? Um, which is funny seeing a St. Louis kid react that way to a Wainwright curveball. I think I'd be the same way. Like, could you sign that ball for me, please? Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think we're, we kind of may know what to expect out of him. Maybe, maybe he can kind of have like a, around a four ERA, but I expect it to see him be the type of guy that's going to get into the fifth and sixth inning. Most every time he's out there, even if he doesn't have his best stuff. Now I will say watching that entire game, I agreed with him. I was like, how in the world did they get runs off of him? This makes no sense. Like it, it it just looked like fluky junk that was out there or bad plays by the Cardinals and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, but I, I do think what he's going to bring to the clubhouse is going to be needed more than ever right now, because I, I wonder if there is some leadership that's been lacking. And I say that from the team, from the coaching staff, maybe from the front office, uh, I don't, they need a singular voice right now. I, I think there's so many voices saying things and then contradicting each other. And I'm not saying Wainwright's going to be the team spokesman by any regard, but I, I think there needs to be some strong leadership that comes out of this. And there needs, the organization just needs a single voice because right now there's just so much junk coming in and out and guys walking back statements. And yeah, I, I know you asked just about Wainwright and I just totally went in a completely different direction, but um, yeah, the whole idea of leadership, I think, they need what he's going to bring to the table, both on and off the mound. Yeah, I hope so. And again, I hope that they will be proactive in their, um, you know, again, if Steven Matz pitched a good game today, um, I want to see if that continues. If it does, okay, good. And, you know, to some degree, law of averages has to work here, right? I mean, Steven Matz is not likely to finish the year with a six ERA. It's not impossible, but it's not likely. Um, you know, stuff like that. Flaherty's probably not going to give up 10 runs again. Uh, well. <laughs> I mean, we can help. Um, yeah, you know, I will like say that. one thing about Matt's, though. Um, mm-hmm. I watched, you know, his last two starts today and then the previous one. Um, he gave up four runs at that first inning at yeah. his previous start. And, you know, right away, team gets puts their head down, game over. But watching him from that point on, his stuff looked really, really good. And it looked like he finally trusted his stuff and he was actually hitting his locations and he wasn't leaving the ball up like he had been the previous starts. I I don't know what it was, if something clicked in his head or somebody said something to him. But from the second inning on in that game and then today, I saw the picture that I saw in spring training. The guy who I looked at and went, man, that stuff looks unhittable at times or weak contact. I am hoping... If he, if he can keep that going, and Montgomery already looks pretty good. I don't think he needs to change anything. But, yeah, maybe we just need a few starts here and there just to just to get rolling, let the bullpen rest a little bit. But, yeah, I, I, I think Matt's has the capabilities to do this. I, I noticed he went to the rosin bag more today, more than often, and threw his curveball more. Don't know if that's connected. Who knows? But, yeah, I think he has the capability to actually help this team from the rotation rather than the bullpen. Hopefully so. And, you know, again, we've seen a little bit of fluctuation in the bullpen. Um, we saw Zoenga go down after looking really good. Um, I was a little bit surprised. I think there were some ideas that James Nail could go long 
and then he went like two thirds of an inning today and gave up the grand slam. So maybe that wasn't as good an idea as they thought. Um, I, I don't, again, some of these questionable, but, um, but you know, if the bullpen can kind of come around, I am a little bit concerned. We started to see improvement out of Jordan Hicks. And then was that Friday night's game that he came into and things just blew up on him again is, I mean, and you watched it probably, I, I mean, I was just kind of following it on the computer, but is it a, okay, that was just a step back or is that a, a real worrisome sign that, you know, maybe the X-Wing is sinking back under the water for him? <laughs> um, nice reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he did not look good. It, it, he looked, he looked just like the pitcher that we saw previously. Um, that's one of the, that was one of those, I don't know why he was in, in that position. Let your starter keep going. Uh, mm-hmm. Your starter looks yeah. good. I, I didn't understand that, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, Hicks did not look great. Um, he looked he looked like he reverted back. I don't know if that's a mechanical thing. I hope it was just one game where he was off. But yeah, his stuff did not look good at all. He he just he had no control, had no location, didn't look like he had a clue where the ball was going. Well, and that, we'll just have to see if all this stuff, both starters and relievers, is better this week. Um, again, it's a little, well, not, not compared to Detroit, but, um, it's a little bit lesser competition. The Cubs, well, Red Sox have played pretty well, I guess. So maybe not. Um, they're still trying like you said, they've had a tough schedule. Um, and that's not all their problems, but it's not helpful as well. So maybe a little bit of a break there. They get an off day on Thursday. Um, I think so maybe we see a little bit better this week. And if so, Maybe this whole Contreras thing does have a payoff. Um, and I do have two good pieces of two pieces of good news to add. Mm-hmm. One is breaking news. The Padres just lost in 10 innings to the Dodgers, which means the Cardinals are only seven back in the wild card right ah. now. So, hey, that's doable. Basically right the, there. The other thing is if, if you're you know a big St. Louis person, you want to take a lot of pride in the city, the Cardinals winning percentage right now is 3-1-4. So, you know, we can at least rejoice in that a little bit, have a little fun with that. It's going to it won't be that way after tomorrow. But, you know, for the next 12 hours or so, uh, 18 hours, we can have a little fun with the three one four. But, yeah, seven back in the wild card, which it's tough to be optimistic about that. But that is doable. Now, you've got to scroll a lot to see all the teams that are above them. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's it's not out of reach. I mean, this is the Cardinals have come back from much worse yeah and and every team ahead of them they will play at least once if not twice throughout the rest of the way if not more if they're in this in the central um so they do i mean again you know this is way too early to say their destiny is in their own hands but um they do have a chance to if they play well jump those teams fairly quickly um now they have to play well and they have to win games. And that has been a tough road to hoe, but um, hopefully we'll see a little bit better, you know, more like the Cardinal baseball that we have seen in the past uh, going forward. Um, and if not, there's going to have to be some real hard questions asked of, you know, management and front office. Cause like you said, everybody's got their torches and pitchforks out. Uh, for anybody that has any sort of manager title or above 
even below, I guess, if you're looking at the coaches. Um, and those calls are only going to get stronger if they, if they don't start putting up some wins. So, you know, and I think there's fair, right? I mean, I'm not one that wants to blame Ollie for a lot of this stuff, although there have been some questionable things, like you said, pulling Jordan Montgomery, um, using Jordan Hicks, um, a few other things here and there. But I think a lot of the stuff like Wilson Contreras is coming from the front office. And, um, you know, I'm not also one to want to throw 20 years or 25 years or whatever it's been of, of John Mosellock's, you know, tenure under the bus because they've had a one really bad start to a season. So I, I'm just not ready to do that. I know a lot of people are. and But I do think that there's some some serious questions that have to be asked if things don't turn around. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the DeWitts and I think Mo and Gersh should be thankful for fans that boo. And the reason I say that is for one, it means the fans care, but two, it means they're showing up because the thing, the the only thing that's worse than fans booing are fans not even showing up and being there with empty seats. Um, And so that's when it starts to affect the wallet. Now I've known people in the past, like Bernie Mickles have said, if you really want to make ownership, feel it, don't show up, don't come to the ballpark. Now, perhaps that would make the DeWitts go, Ooh, okay, next year we need to spend money and we need to get starting pitching and bring in you know some better hitters. Or it can make them say, oh, we lost so much money in revenue, we're going to cut back on our roster and, uh, and our payroll this year. I don't know how they're going to react to that. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not a booing type of person, but I totally get it. But I, I think what you hear is passion from the fans and it's, it's, it's actually deserved. And I think, the, I think the players for the most part get that. Yeah, they seem to, um, at least, you know, at least publicly. Um, I did, I, mean, I had a little bit of this conversation with somebody at church this morning and, uh, you know, he's talking about people not showing up at the ballpark. I'm like, look, you know, Cardinals have a very high season ticket holder percentage, right? So even if nobody else shows up in the ballpark this year, the attendance numbers are going to be like 75% full because it's, those tickets are already sold. Right. So, I mean, yeah, people not showing up, the DeWitts probably start thinking about, okay, these people aren't going to buy tickets next year, but you know, some of that money is already in hand. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully this inspires them because I do think, and I, I know a lot of people think that this front office is only out to make a buck. And, you know, the fact that you announced the sale of the Springfield team and a, patch on the you know on the side of the jerseys this week while losing seven in a row does not help that you know kind of uh mindset but i always think this front office want, and, and this ownership wants to win they want to win on their terms they don't want to just you know go all out because they're also afraid that if they go all out and they don't win then there's nothing they can do to fix it but i do think that they have a vested interest in wanting to win if nothing else that make more money when they win so I, I do think that they would, I think they're going to be more proactive this off season. Probably it have to be anyway. Now, when you look at this team, unless for some reason this team gets back in the playoffs, you know, uh, then maybe they just write this off. But um, yeah, I, I think that they're watching, they're paying attention. And I don't, I don't think that you know, fan boycott or anything is, is what's going to have to happen. <laughs> for them to change. I think that, you know, they're looking at, and I, I feel like they're getting closer to this idea of 
we're going to have to do something. We obviously are having trouble developing pitching. We're going to have to do something about getting more pitching. I think that's, and maybe that's why they didn't get Montgomery an extension because they plan on going out and getting some. I hope it's not because they think they've got three guys in the minor leagues that can take these spots, but I guess we'll just have to find that out later on. Yeah. And you know, the DeWitts people give them a hard time because the Cardinals are kind of a mid-market team. But if you read the story of Bill DeWitt Jr., you find out this guy is a true baseball fan, and he has been his entire life. I mean, he has been a lifer when it comes to baseball. He's the type of guy that every morning he's looking at the box scores of every level of the team, and they say he can tell you the names of every player and every level of the organization. This is not a Stan Kroenke situation. This is not a guy that's so far removed that he has no clue what's going on with his franchise. And Bush Stadium's never going to be an L.A. situation where you're going to have to worry about 49ers fans coming in and overtaking your stadium and your team having mm-hmm. to use the uh, soft count to uh, in your own home stadium. That's, that's not what's going to happen. Cardinals fans may not show up as much, but the people are going to support their team. You're not going to see Chicago fans overrun Bush Stadium anytime soon. Now, I will say if you are a season ticket holder and you decide that you're not going to go, please give your tickets to a child or to a, at least to a family so a child can go to the game who doesn't get to go to the game. Please don't let them go to waste. But yeah, I, I'm not one that... I'm not one that wants to trash Mo and say, you know, Mo's terrible. He should have been fired long ago, blah, blah, blah. Mo works for the DeWitts. And you know what? Who am I to tell somebody how to spend their money when it's their money? Now, I don't know how much they're making off people. We kind of have ideas. But this is a rough patch. This is a rough patch for an organization that has been really, really good for a really long time that has not had a high draft pick in a really, really, really long time. We're probably due for this, even though this team looks better on paper. Um, But I'm not ready to throw away the owners and throw away the front office with what's going on. I can disagree with their decisions, and they're going to make some stinkers time to time. But their track record, for the most part, shows that they've done a really, really good job. And this thing will get turned around. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. But um, I heard on the radio this week, they said, if you're 25 years old, um, they, they said there's never been a Cardinals fan who's been alive longer than 25 years, who's had to go without a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is going to get turned around at some point. It just may not exactly be this week, next week or next month. Right. I think so. Um, and hopefully that means that next week when we get together, we will have a lot more positive things to say. And if not, we'll make some up. So, or we'll just talk about Memphis, Memphis right. Redbirds podcast. Yeah, they've been they've been very very good this year. They've been the the Tampa Bay Rays of the AAA team. That's uh, true, AAA yeah. That's very much. And notice Mason Wynn had a couple of home runs in a game not too long ago. Uh, he's starting to come around. And nope, um, yeah, he's he's still not ready to come up to the majors, folks. I, just in, just in case you're wondering, I don't <laughs> I don't think that that's let's pump a brakes a little bit on that one. So anyway, uh, David, I will be back with you next week. Um, it'll be. Hopefully a a much better week to, to talk about. But until then, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.